Shout out to the fans in Iowa State. <laughs> oh yeah. Got about uh, 20 lessons from that state on its own last week, which is pretty good. Well, Heartstopper as well, which is obviously British. Um, it's kind of weird. Well, some on the crowded room. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I thought we were just, we were um, just talking about last week's. Well, I was, but because I was thinking, does it was uh, the crowded room set in Iowa, but it wasn't, was it? It was set in San Francisco. It's in New York, bro. Is it? Yeah, that's oh, a the Rockefeller. Okay. Unlike the whole thing just being Rockefeller, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fair enough. Let's just move on swiftly. Um, Seems on a subway and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I got any of that from. Um, <laughs> <Set> in Iowa. <laughs> I don't even know what's in Iowa. To be Not so, the Iowa, Iowa fans, you shout, uh, tell us what's in Iowa. <laughs> we just isolated the Iowa fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a shit state. <laughs> so the wolf. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> the Wolf finale is on in twenty minutes on BBC. Eh? Yeah. I thought it was over. Well, the BBC they, they start releasing shows. Oh, okay. So it's, so it's all dropped all on, on iPlayer. It's before, all on iPlayer um, before actually. So the, as yeah, okay. as time of recording, it's twenty to nine. Um, in twenty minutes, the finale the will fin- be yeah. on on the BBC. So we're this is like a Back to the Future situation. Yeah, I've just realised that my notes are in the other room. Uh, okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we didn't pause that at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Wolf, six episodes um, based on Mo Hader's, well, taken directly from Mo Hader. Um, Novel of the same title. Yeah. Uh, initial thoughts? Um, in a word, B Tech. Okay. Which I, I think, yeah. More uh, than a word? <laughs> American fans won't understand, really. But, like, just, like, just subpar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. just just really average. is not up to what it was trying to be at all. Um, a little while back, we looked at... Was it Great Expectations? Mm-hmm. And you said you thought the BBC was in trouble. Do you still feel like that uh, now? I mean, I know we've only watched, like, this since Great Expectations, like... Don't know if you watched anything else on the BBC or you've looked into it in any more detail, but like, how do you feel about it now? Well, so the thing is with Wolf, um, it's it's a cheap thrills kind of situation. Yeah. And actually, the the viewership response is quite positive. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's because it's cheap twists and turns, British actors that people love. Um, and a crime that probably most of the audience have read already, you know, that they've just picked off the shelf in a Smith section yeah. kind of thing. Um, it, if BBC want to take themselves as a serious kind of broadcaster as we go into the streaming era, they're, they're, they're massively in trouble. But yeah. if, the, if BBC, you know, like BBC is funded on public money, so like it's almost, they, they don't actually need to raise the quality as as long as the taxpayer you know we're all paying our TV licenses <laughs> so actually yes they're in trouble if they for, for what any reason needed to start competing in the streaming world but actually they don't yeah financially they're not at all they can churn out crap and, and, and what I'll say is this was crap but like I was okay with it in a way I wouldn't want to watch three series of this quality on the bounce yeah I, I would find that really hard but you've got to think it's a what is a Tuesday night, nine p.m. This is that's when it's on now. Mm. Tuesday night, nine p.m. Yes, it's not prime 
prime view and it's people getting in from work and sticking it on because just because it was on last week do you know what I mean yeah um so yeah I mean if there were to be a serious streaming player in trouble but we'll pay there we'll pay for it um on a monthly basis so they don't actually need to raise the quality because the money's yeah, but never who's gone. actually paying for the TV license <laughs> uh, the, the BBC's I'd love to see the stats yeah but I think enough I guess it's really hard to get accurate stats on that yeah it? but like you think of um, Laura Koonsberg who does the show on a Sunday she, she's on a 400 grand a year salary yeah. Fiona Bruce 400 grand a year salary these people are getting paid a lot of money to do to do shows actors getting paid loads of money and I know they're like on weekly shows but well, well what, does, what does that prove because that proves that there's a lot of money flowing into not the at all. BBC no it means that they're paying the people at the top a lot or they're paying the, the faces a lot it doesn't mean that the, that doesn't make I don't, I don't know if you're, pay, if you're paying if you're paying political commentators 400 grand a year when yeah but if she's 90% of your viewership or whatever I mean, I know that I've obviously made that start up, but yeah, yeah. I don't I, think that, that I don't think that your your big names and your big faces being paid a lot is representative of success within the industry. I mean, literally look at the strikes, like the SAG-AFTRA strikes right now. Like you're not you're not got Leonardo DiCaprio out here like taking pay cuts. I mean, like he's yeah. still on crazy money. That doesn't mean that acting is a yeah, yeah, yeah. Industry. But 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 the BBC employees specifically are being paid by public money. Yeah. So there well, will I'm be sure the money there's there. Plenty of people of, of like everyday folk working for the BBC that aren't. Well, like yeah, 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 adequate salaries yeah. or whatever. Um, so the show. <laughs> anyway, yes, yeah, <laughs> the <same> show. <laughs> um, where where would we start? Look. So I I thought at the very start, the first couple of episodes, I uh, you know I really didn't appreciate as the twist as the twists and turns go on I you know I slowly get a little bit more invested mm. um, I thought the the dialogue was taken almost straight from the book it like didn't feel like it was adapted to suit the characters at all yeah um, I thought the daughter Luc- Lucia mm-hmm. Lucia um, we're supposed to believe that she's a, she's a young adult and I, the first thing I did was look at how old she actually was in real life. She's 31. Hmm. <laughs> there was no convincing me that she was like... And there is a line of dialogue you... quite early on. It's from like, I think it's from Honey, who says like, what's what's up with the daughter? Like, why is she with your daughter? Why is she dressing like she's an adolescent? She's clearly not like the sort of weird uh, just, going on. Yeah, but <laughs> that for me was a bit like, you know you shouldn't have cast her. <laughs> so <laughs> you've thrown that line yeah, in. Um, you, you know you shouldn't have cast her. Like she's supposed to be. Tw- Doesn't 22. she have to be kind of like roughly that age though? No, in the last episode they say she's, she's twenty two. Yeah. And I just was like, wow, like you know, she doesn't even. She's, <laughs> she's, she's just not convincing. She's not yeah. convincing at all. You know, it's like casting um, like a forty year old man to play like a teenage boy like it's yeah. it's which which is like Hollywood was notorious for doing wasn't it like in the early 2000s I just like everyone in high school musical I mean high school musical was maybe a bad example but like you know when you think of high, like American high school movies and like yeah. all of the classmates are like in the early 30s or in late yeah, 20s yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I, it just, I think from the very start it puts me it takes me out of the story yeah no, when, when it's like fundamentals yeah like that are just completely well, it kind of like in a way it kind of like equates to bad acting doesn't it and I think, like, I don't really like to talk about acting much, although I do all the time. 
um, my focus is on storytelling but like when something is made poorly or acted poorly like it's such a barrier between uh, for me yeah like getting when it comes to getting like immersed and invested in the story yeah like if a character is just not believable for whatever reason like I'm just pushed out straight away and that, that happened with this completely from the start because of Aquali Roach's performance as Jack like when you've got a protagonist as poorly acted as this the word when I've looked at like criticism and response to it not that I I try not to look at much but like a brief scan of like reception to the show everyone the, the word understated keeps coming up uh, in description of his of his acting of his portrayal of right. the character the understated protagonist like there's <laughs> it's just bad acting I see it's just I, I wonder so I've seen Aquelia in two things now from the BBC and, and it was it, the other one Step Up <laughs> no the other the it was other, Step Up the other th- that's where he started oh, really I think so I could have just made that up um, I'm pretty sure it was he's in, a, he's in another uh, cop show called Annika um, oh, he's an actor. Right, okay, I've seen it. But, yeah. So, so, I, I, what I was thinking is, is there something in the fact that he's so Brit, like from so from London? <laughs> he, so, so he's born, he's brought up in in Wool- Woolwich, right? So he's what like the character? No, the re- the real life person, right? Okay, and and like this is set in Wales. Annika, the show was set in um, Glasgow, like. Was it? Yeah. So, so oh. is there something in him because he's from Woolwich, just obviously not fitting in the scenes? And I, and I know that's supposed to be combated by actors, you know, doing acts, you know, accents or stuff like that. But but I've now seen him in two shows where he's a, a Londoner in yeah. a in a Scottish, you know, in Scotland. Yeah. And now he's a Londoner in, in, Wales. in Wales. And it kind of makes me think that one, he's the guy for the future. He's their guy that yeah. they're going to put in show after show. Right. And two, it it kind of puts all that importance on, okay, like, why didn't you get a Welsh actor or someone that was like... Well, because the character Jack is from London. Is he? Yeah, of course he is, because he grows... That's the whole base of the plot, that he, that he leaves where he's from. Yeah. He leaves where he grows up because of the neighbour and the murder abduction or whatever and he goes to Wales for a significant chunk of his career right okay. and then he returns to London and like yeah. the beginning is his like oh, I've only been back in London a few weeks or whatever and it's entirely unconvincing the whole thing like mm. it's just but I mean yeah I, he's obviously the character supposed to be from London I, I think he's not cast poorly I just don't like the actor yeah I, I agree I, and and um, I think one one of the problems with the biggest problem with this show is is probably the actors actually. I think yeah. quite a few of them are, are are subpar. I mean, unfortunately for Erwin Rion, I've generally only seen him. Who Rion? Is he called? He's called Erwin Rion, isn't he? <laughs> what's it? What's it? How do you pronounce it? Rion. <laughs> I think I get Well, it's it's spelled Erwin. No, it's um, not. <laughs> it's spelled Ewan with an I. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, you and Rion, I love them, right? Yeah. Because, because of Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watched Misfits when I was when I was really young. Yeah. He wasn't the standout in Misfits, but he He's was kind of a role. big role in, in Misfits yeah. as well. I think people are trying to just bat him with the "he's a creepy guy" drum. Yeah. And he does it well. 
Yes, he does it well. I don't think he did it that well in this. I completely agree. Um, and I think it's one of those where it's like, oh, we'll get you and Rion to play this creepy character. Yeah. Channel 4, we'll get you and Rion to play yeah, this yeah, creepy yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just goes on and on and on. I also saw him on a show called Riviera. Um, yeah. And he was like... And to be fair, he was actually the best of a bad bunch in that. Like, he, <laughs> Again, he was like this creepy younger brother that you know was fine at the start and got more and more creepy throughout the series and stuff and, and I'm just like I'm sure the guy can do more yeah and it doesn't need to always be the the psychopath I mean to be fair I've seen him um, in a couple of I have seen him in a couple of things that he's like he plays a, a different role he's uh, he's not those things but I think in terms of um, Wolf his character was a lot more towards like the misfits yeah. character that he had than like Ramsey Bolton and his Game of Thrones character um I was kind of frustrated at Ewan Rian in this. Like, maybe not at him, but his character. I don't necessarily want to blame him as an actor. I, I don't know really what it is. Can't work it out. Is it bad acting? Is it a bad script? Um, I think it's a bad script. It's a bad script. I think, I think in, with, specifically with in the case of Ewan, of Ewan Rian's character, it's the problem is the writing. Like, the character's not... It's just rubbish. Like, I don't care. It's weird. It's not creepy. We've seen it before. It's not scary. It's yeah, it's very tired. Um, you know, the, ki- know the killer that... dancing around to yeah, fun yeah, music. Yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah. that so many. And we see it done better. Um, yeah, and we we know you and Rian can do it well, which is what makes it frustrating. Like you think of yeah. Ramsey Bolton, you think of how how Sinister. successfully he Good. created like a malicious, contemptible villain, mm. and then you got this. Like he's like you know, it's, it's like a, he's like a children's pre- TV presenter, like this, like twisted. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's just yeah. it just doesn't work. And to be honest, I'd extend that to the honey. What's his name? What's his character's name? Not honey. The other one, Mermore. Ah. Di Honey, Sasha Dewan. No, 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 no. The other you and Rin's character. Oh, uh, Melina. Melina, the honey Melina. There you go. The honey Melina like dichotomy didn't work for me. I know. I know it was like the twist at the end and whatever. But like, I I just thought. So the, the twist at the end, I liked. Um, I thought it was the end of episode five. And and I always I always think I'm so clever. No. About three minutes before the reveal, I work it out, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's probably already worked out before. But I'm like, oh, but what if actually it's this, and then it turns out to be that. Well, you can get uh, to the plot though. Talking about talking about character, the Melina Honey like dichotomy just doesn't work for me, and it's and like it's just another like yeah. it's just another point that I'm making to say the acting was like a crucial flaw in this yeah. and I do think that it's it's a problem that's like across the BBC yeah it's just like people are just alright with average if it's on TV yeah I, on, no, I agree you know I what agree. I mean like, and I do and I think maybe that's why the and BBC, that's why it's on a Tuesday night yeah and like it, well it also doesn't it doesn't have to compete because it's on TV like yeah. people will watch it because it's on TV like it's a different in a way it's a different target audience mm. it's people that aren't that don't have Netflix or aren't Amazon co- Prime whatever. properly watching it or something they're not yeah 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 like it's a different it's kind of almost written for passive viewers mm. you know like which is crazy because because you're right like this has got you know obviously higher reviews it's well received by the general population you just think why and you think because the audience are looking for this mm. not because it's any good at all I really don't want to continue bashing actors, but I've, I just have to get this one in. Mm. Juliet Stevenson, who played yeah. Matilda, yeah. Anka Ferris. Yeah. I've seen her in a few things and thought she's been terrible in every single one. Really? Yeah, I, I, I cannot I've stand her. I've seen her in stuff that I, I like. I cannot stand her. I think yeah. she's so unconvincing. 
And I've just seen she's in Bend It Like Beckham. I don't know who she plays in Bend It Like Beckham. <laughs> but, yeah, I've seen her in a couple of these BBC shows. And she was unconvincing in this. You know, the, the script was awful. Now, <clears throat> obviously, when we were looking at the credits, the writer and creator was different to... Well, it wasn't Mo Hader. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. It's um, an adaptation. So I, so now I, so so I wonder if it if it's Mo Hader that's mm. book that is the issue or is it the adaptation? I, well, I think you just got to blame the adaptation in a way, like because because we're talking about the TV show. Mm. I think like you're right. Obviously, like when something when an adapt when you know you do an adaptation of a novel, if the the novel has a poor plot, like there's not really anything you can do about it. Mm. Um, I mean, you talk about the last thing that we that we talked about on. The BBC was an adaptation of Dickens' yes. novel, and they changed the ending for some reason. And it's like you know, maybe I think the BBC kind of does specialize in adaptations of novels or books, or you know, like, and I guess that's fair enough. There's nothing wrong with it. I like a good adaptation, and I think it's important that we carry on doing adaptations because it's a, a massive stream of revenue for writers. Yeah, like if you're writing a novel, like yeah, kind of suck for some people. A goal is like get a movie adaptation because it will. Bring, it's you know it's so lucrative yeah and it's such a like a, a success milestone isn't it yeah well I mean I would say if you're writing for if you're just starting out you should probably try and write for the BBC because they'll take anything <laughs> <laughs> well it does, it's strange isn't it because it does feel like I think you alluded to this earlier it does feel like this novel was like you know one you'd find in an airport WH Smith I've, you know I've seen this in when I used to work in a bookshop I've seen three of that this book next to each other really yeah like you, you know it's, is it that it's, old it's not new no, it's not that new I know it's not recently um, worked in a bookshop like, that's all I mean you know the Joe Nesbos and you yeah. know all of those books they're, they're, they're in abundance in these no do you bookshop. mean literally this novel at Wolf yeah wow when did it come out it came out in 2015 March 2015 so I, I was definitely working in the bookshop um, file, filing the duplicates of this book. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yes, it is kind of surprising that like the BBC would choose this to do an adaptation of. Like there are these are like ten a penny, aren't they? Like the the sort of like cop crime mystery. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the point, though. They have an endless stream of material. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, and if you're taking from British writers you know, established British writers, well, actually, it, you're probably actually doing quite a favourable thing because despite it, it severely lacking quality, this is a British writer writing a novel and it's going on screen in front of us. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually quite honest. a good thing. The thing I love most about these shows is the, the plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just want to talk a little a, a few about a few more plot holes. So episode one... Or two, my, no, episode two, Melina and... Because at, at the end of one, Honey and Melina reveal that they're not very nice. <laughs> yeah. Honey's eating the cake in a very mysterious way, and now yeah. I'm thinking, God, this guy's evil because of the way he's eating the cake, yeah. apparently. There's, there's milk as well. I'm pretty sure it's Honey oh, yeah. drinks a glass of milk, which is like a theme in oh, villains on the screen. Oh, yeah, okay. So like, uh, you think of No Country for Old Man and a bunch of other things, but yeah. Probably a Bond villain, <laughs> and uh, so so in the second episode they they handcuffed Matilda Anka Ferris to the floor, and a line came from 
DI honey. Don't try and escape from the table. We nailed it to the floor. Oh, yeah. So when did they have the time to do that, then? Well, presumably before they moved in. What? That just not did not happen. There's no, <laughs> the, did you see the table? Yeah. It was solid oak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, leg, yeah. the leg was about three foot wide. Yeah. And I'm trying to work out which nail gun nails that table to the floor. So was the floor even wooden? I thought the floor. It was, was a like, wooden floor. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was a wooden floor. But I, I really would like to know the time that, that they had to nail that table to the floor. Yeah, that's quite strange. Unless they're they, they're trying to tell us that before the family got home because the family were out, weren't they? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That they were they had already been in the house. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's a big But exactly. was there evidence of that? I'm no, sure. but I think that's the assumption that you have to make. I couldn't assume. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Um this this get this jumps quite away. Um so this is when Sean Reese Williams, who plays D.I. Maya Lincoln, is telling Jack Caffrey a story around when she was interviewing the like young Mm. people yeah um so so why would these young students be that unhelpful in a murder inquiry all of them you know every single one they were like the same kind of young person you know bored lethargic didn't want to answer a question to the police when like the two popular kids had been murdered I just found that really weird like why would well this it's another I think it's another example of like just poor writing rather than like plot hole necessarily it's just it's just unbelievable I guess this comes down to like the original author writing the novel like I guess you can blame that but like I haven't read the novel is that her opinion of young people (laughs) well maybe yeah or or it just suits the story suits the narrative yeah which is like poor practice isn't it like so but I'm not going to blame the author because I haven't read the novel Mm. So, you know, I don't want to refer to the author much more. Like, in the series, it's just poor writing. Yeah. And, and, it, and it happens a few times. Because you can and look at the adaptation when... and say, you know, when you're watching the scenes back, you can say, that's a bit pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what are you going to say? Well, you know, when you've got like, there's a scene early on, it's episode two maybe, Jack's um, speaking to the. Uh, the bloke in his shed <laughs> you know the guy that's like in prison with someone yeah. who knows a guy who knows a guy who beat someone up or something. I mean he's literally credited as the walking man the walking man like what, the, <laughs> what that can't be the right guy anyway yeah he's talking to him in the shed and, and you know he's like like here's a piece of paper and it says help us on it or something yeah. it's like the clue Jack's response I mean this I'm picking up on a really specific detail of dialogue here yeah. that annoyed me like and there's, there's the, the whole series is littered with them but Jack's response is Oh, it's it's a prank. It, it's it's got to be kids. Yeah. Like this is supposed to be some like you know, A class detective going yeah. like it's kids. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah, based so, on what? Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's such a and like you know, do we live in a world where where kids play that kind of specific prank that don't and they don't get to see the outcome of and like there's no punchline to like do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's it, it's indicative of a fictional world. Yeah. Not in terms of not sci-fi fiction, not fantasy fiction, not otherworldly fiction, not creative fiction, just a simplistic view of normal life. Yeah. That suits the plot you're trying to tell. Yeah, yeah. Or the story that you're trying to tell. And it and yeah. Don't it's worry laziness. About that. It's just laziness. Don't worry about that viewer. Just yeah, yeah, move yeah, on. Yeah, move yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Jack has to... It, it basically translates as, like, you know, insert incredulity here. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like Jack can't believe it straight away. He can't go, oh, God, that's a bit suspicious. Like suspicious. You know, if I handed you a piece of paper right now without saying anything that said help us on it, you'd be like, what, what's going on? Like, no, I'd obviously know it was a prank. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay, I don't really know why I've said that, actually. That doesn't make any sense. But you know if that happened to you in public? Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you maybe don't take you it seriously. You wouldn't conclude it. But you don't definitively. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you'd be like, this, what, what? Yeah, you'd have a lot of questions. It, you know, you, your response is confusion, not yeah, like yeah. out and out denial. Yeah. And and given that Jack is supposed to be a character who's like, in a very cliche in depth sense, questions everything, haunted by his past and and almost paranoid by his neighbour. Like, why is his immediate response like black and white denial? Mm. And it, and it's just there's. I'm picking up on a very specific detail, as I say. There are tons. This is just one of them. Like, and and it's it's loads of things that just like strike me as lazy. Strike me as just like half half-assed writing. That yeah, it's really hard to get immersed in. To be honest, let's try and uh, break up the negativity <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I think that, and I, I just touched on it before, the end of episode five where they did reveal. You and Rion as the true psychopath was, you know, there was suspense. I felt a little bit of an unease for the only time during this series, to be honest, where um, Di Honey is, you know, obviously he's been revealed as just kind of a normal guy doing a job, um, is starting to piece a puzzle together that things don't quite add up with the boss and how much he's getting paid and and that him and his partner are being tricked and followed and watched and then he starts to piece the puzzle together that actually how can all these happens happen from how can all these things happen from within the house if it's not one of them two yeah and 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 you know he goes down to the basement he sees the body and yeah. it, and then he walks back in to the to the living room area that they were in and Melina's gone you know, I I will give them credit. I thought that was the best scene in in the, the series. The twist, really. Like, yeah, that was the real twist. And despite you know it being done so many times before, I I thought they did it okay. I thought they did it well. I thought it was it was a, a point in the series where I was like, oh, actually, this is quite interesting. I mean, obviously, because of, because of that kind of reveal at se- end of series fi- uh, episode five, it felt like episode six was going to have to be rushed. Yeah. Um, but I, no, I liked that. Was there anything you particularly liked about the show? I know you're trying to have a positive moment, but like, honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I honestly, and, I, and that sounds really critical. I I just I was bored throughout this. Yeah. I was just not gripped at all. Like um, I I don't like. Slayton shows I don't like just being like oh no it was flat out awful but there really wasn't like a breakthrough thing or like a standout aspect that I was like I can appreciate that the whole thing was just like I think I think it's absolute downing floor is that absolutely every like theme in this show is massively overused Mm. like absolutely everything that it relies on every story kind of point every character kind of profile they're all like played out and tired yeah. so like you know the troubled detective trauma not traumatized by like personal loss in his past and 
the sort of like the, the old case from back in the day with the killer that like got away and it's like come back to strike again or whatever like I know the merits of one show shouldn't take away from another but all of these predictable themes just make me appreciate the shows that have come before and done it better yeah like I just sat there thinking this makes me like like True Detective even more and want to go back and watch it again yeah. you know because it's the same thing just done a million times better yeah with a much yeah. bigger budget though well yeah fine but like you know I don't think you can just be like well the budgets that you know I mean Endgame had what was the budget for Endgame that was trash <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not bring that up again <laughs> yeah you know yeah I don't think you can just like the merits of, uh, or like, yeah, the merits of um, True Detective aren't based yeah. on the budget. It's based on the acting, and the storytelling, and the writing, and the yada yada. But we've discussed this before, haven't we? You know, what the BBC have done here is that they've found a story that, and and the way it's been adapted, they've taken all these ingredients from successful other shows and tried, to, you know, try to fit them into something. Mm. And what it's ended up being is a bit of a confused mess. Yeah, where it felt like despite the story being there for them written they didn't really know what they were trying to tell mm. they didn't know which parts of the story or parts of that book to, to yeah. focus on where, are you focusing on the wholesome moment with the grandfather of one of the victims or you know are you solely focusing on you know Jack um, Jack's trauma and, and things like that and and I think in, in applying all these twists in one series you, you end up with a confused series that actually the viewer doesn't see them as twists they just see them as they're just confused I was just confused at the end Um, Ivan Penderecki is he a convincing uh, no disastrous neighbour you know no not really again it's just a cliche trope yeah yeah it's like another like you know the guy next door that's a bit dodgy teeth yeah crap beard yeah and you see it and you just think I know exactly what where this is going and it goes in exactly that direction and you just like I, you know you just you just switched off to it which I guess is like you know that's the target audience as passive viewers so that's uh, yeah that's it again and even the very end so I mean this massively hinted at series 2 this show mm. um, it was very obvious you know Jack's tearing down the treehouse and looking up at Ivan through the glass um, and then it just it just cuts to black I don't know why um, it just found out that pretty unequivocally I, Ivan did ki- kidnap his brother <laughs> and then he just tore down his treehouse and looked up at him and took his shirt no he didn't take his shirt off <laughs> he took his jacket off but but like I was like okay so they're doing another season if and and this is the the if it's probably the BBC it will be how big how good's the viewership yeah and just d- depending on how many viewers they get on the finale, they'll do another season. Well, I'm sure that's the same with every streaming platform, isn't it? Like, yeah. You just do it off the numbers, but yeah. I don't think we'll be reviewing a, a season two of Wolf. <laughs> no. Something that's quite interesting about the show is it's been getting a lot of heat for its 9pm airing time because it's too early. Right. So, I mean, 9pm is the Watergate, isn't it? The watershed, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it might be the Watergate they, pro- they have a problem with. Um, yeah, so the watershed, let's just double check, I believe is uh, 9 pm. I thought it was 9 pm, yeah. So it's on literally at the, the watershed, which is like, alright, fair enough. Are kids going to bed later? 
Well, maybe. It, it, it's getting heat because of like the, the the gore, the horror content that like apparently is just too much for 9pm on a Tuesday. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong, like there were some fairly like gruesome moments, but like... Yeah, I, I think I have to say it's quite tame compared yeah. to what we see now I think what on we're streaming services now, that are available thing, yeah. at all times. I mean, I'm watching From, which I actually want to talk about a lot more than I want to talk about Wolf right now. Uh, I'm, I'm watching that, like, season two of From on the side. That, well, I've been watching that anyway, so like that's it's fit into that context. So mm. to hear people going, oh, it's a bit gory, it's a bit horrific, I mean... <laughs> then I'm switching back on from watching the next episode and seeing people getting torn apart and yeah. you're like you know from I have to look away this I'm like eh yeah I'm a bit unpleasant move on <laughs> you know does that come back to the passive viewers who are just having a cup of tea at half nine that's exactly what it is turn yeah. to look at the screen and be like oh there's an intestine <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah it, it speaks to the middle class passive viewer of the, yeah. or maybe not just middle class but I think middle class I think it, yeah I think it's safe to say it's the middle class passive viewer because of course the heroes in this are, are middle class yeah. you know the villains sorry the victims of um, of the, uh, the are they called the pony killers in the end donkey pitch <laughs> donkey pitch murder the donkey pitch murder <laughs> well six and two well like yeah the victims have got to be middle class haven't they and they are incredibly middle class so you know you at home the, the viewer at home on a Tuesday evening can be like oh it could be me and yeah. this is you know like a gent feel a sense of fear because they they associate themselves with um, Juliet Stevenson's character or whatever like um, and, then, and then you know then obviously that results in this uproar like oh it's too much to take on a Tuesday evening <laughs> yeah yeah I, that's that's an interesting one I think people are becoming desensitised um, but not BBC viewers but not BBC viewers which is interesting well, yeah, I mean, and maybe they don't have all the streaming services that you, you expect everyone to have these days and people are there's still the people that stick to that terrestrial BBC one to channel five kind of view yeah and maybe that's probably true and I think if you probably do have like Netflix and, and all the rest you're less likely to like give a crap about what's on TV hmm you left like you're less likely to be like oh yeah well what's actually on BBC X Y Z or whatever time and tune into it on iPlayer or yeah. I very rarely to be fair I very rarely check iPlayer mm. and don't don't be wrong there is stuff on iPlayer that's really good yeah there's a handful of things they're usually prison dramas they usually cop dramas like it's sort of, sort of always like that kind of area yeah you know, subject area isn't it I guess that's just what the BBC does. Um, but some of them are quite good. M- the majority of it's crap. Mm. So I very rarely check it. You check, yeah. you know, if you're like, I, I want something brand new to watch, I'm never going to BBC. That's the last thing I'm going yeah. to. That's like desperate. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's like return to type. If you fancy a crime or cop drama, yeah. you've probably got a good chance yeah. on there. Yeah. Um, Not this one, though. This wasn't the one. <laughs> Did you even find the, the first scene... You know the introduction of the the guy in the hazmat suit. Do you, do you know? Did you even find that convincing? You know, was, did that set set everything up for you? You know, did that give you did that interest you at all? No, I, I guess this is the thing. I think when you see something like that now, I'm I'm not bothered. Mm. Sorry, what have I, I've not really said nothing there. What what I mean is, and I know I've said this already, but. 
I just think of True Detective. Yeah. Because there's a shot in True Detective that people talk about a lot. Like film students talk about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. And it's it's in the middle of the season. And at this point, you're still not aware of who the villain is. You've not got, like, you've not got, you've kind of got, like, a, a theory mm. or, like, a name, but you've not met them. And that's what it does so so beautifully. One of the things it does so beautifully is that the, the threat and the villain is always in the background very much. Mm. And it, it attaches you with these two cops driving around in the car. They're driving around, like, Louisiana, somewhere in the south. And the it's very, like, the landscape is what creates the horror. There's mm. these slow panning shots over the, the landscape of this, like, the flat Louisiana Downs, like, um, swamps, slums, like... And the area is... The place is the horror. And you're put with these two cops in a car, and you only get the information that they have. There's no cutting away to them to somewhere else that explains it, or you're not following the villain as well. You, the villain isn't a character that's present. You just haven't worked out them, their intentions yet. It's none of that. You're trying to find him with them. Mm. And so, like, the, the, the fears in the background... Anyway, the shot that I want to talk about is at one point it's revealed and the the camera like pans very very slowly as this this guy he's he's naked he's wearing like a like a kind of like a diaper situation like <laughs> some like small underwear and he's got a gas mask there's not it's like all a tube coming off it that's not connected to anything it's just swinging around like loose crazy he's got a machete tattoos and he's just walking through the grass like left to right and the shot's moving with him Mm. and he stops just before the shot before the camera does and the camera keeps going like really slowly really smooth the whole thing just moves like glides and then it stops and he like looks slightly towards the camera and that's it like cut to black episode ends it's fucking terrifying (laughs) and it's so simple nothing happens it's just a dude walking out across the grass that's it and then you see you know then you have the the BBC's essentially it's take on that is this guy in a full hazmat suit chopping someone up at the beginning blood on the mask done roll the titles mm. begin the episode yeah. and it's like okay I see what you're trying to do you know, I'm very familiar with this theme and this take and this approach to introducing a threat get on with it yeah. <laughs> another guy in a hazmat suit doing something creepy like you know it's just not the same as the, that you know the, the time that you watch you know that first time I watched that scene in True Detective like I'm shaking I'm not sleeping that night you know and that's yeah. what I'm looking for I want, I want to be invested to that extent yeah. I know not everyone does but you know it's another tired theme yeah cheap thrills cheap thrills you see I like cheap thrills 